Thank you for visiting Crossland Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at cocchurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. We continue a series this morning called uh, Seeing God as a Perfect Father. I started last week by talking to you about a, a fellow who wrote an awful lot of books, A.W. Tozer, uh, who's not with us anymore. He, he's written a bunch of books, uh, a lot of books on prayer. One of the things that A.W. Tozer said was that one, the, one of the most important things that can be said about you or one of the most important things about you is what you think about when you think about God. The most, one of the most important things about you is what you think about when you think about God. That's important because we were made to respond to God. I don't know if you know that or not. God made us and he made us for him. And I told you last week that one of the reasons that you exist is to have fellowship with God and bring glory and honor to his name. That's why you were made. I don't know if you know that or not. But you were made to respond to God. You were created by a creator who created you and created me to respond to him. He wants a response from us. The most important thing about anybody this morning in this room is not where you're from, not what you live in, not what you drive, not how well you're dressed, not anything like that. The most important thing about you is that when you think about God, what do you think when you think about God? What a tragedy to spend a, an entire lifetime thinking a specific thing about God or thinking about God in a certain way and responding to him in that way and to come to the end of your life and realize I've thought about God the wrong way my whole life and I probably have responded to him the wrong way most of my life. And so God, being who he is, is always pursuing us. He's always uh, trying to, to help us to see. He's always trying to reveal some part of himself to us so that we can respond to him truthfully, so that we can know who he is and, and how we can serve him better. Uh, you know, I think God's line would be to us, I want you to know who I am. I think that, that you read scripture and one of the things you're gonna see in scripture is God's continual uh, pursuit of the idea that I want, to, I want these people to know me and I want them to know that I love them and I want them to know to what great lengths I would go to to redeem them and buy them back to me um, I think he'd say I don't want you wondering I don't want you to go through your whole life trying to figure it out and not really know I don't want you to have to use your imagination to decide well God's like this or God's like this God's say no I, I want to be very specific and very clear about that and so what the Bible tells us about God is that God is a father the Bible says that Jesus is the final revelation of God in other words when Jesus came God would look at us and he would say, I can't do it any better than that. That when Jesus came and walked among us, he, God would look and say, that's the best I can do to show you what I'm like. This is who I am. This is what I'm like. This guy's going to live on your planet. He's, gonna, uh, he's, he's, he's God, but he's also man. Although he's born of a man, he's also the son of God. And he's going to be a walking picture of who God is. And Jesus ruffled a lot of feathers when he said, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. A lot of people didn't like that. He said 189 times in the Gospels, uh, he referred to, to God as Father. Of all the different things he could have used, of all the different words in the vocabulary that he could have picked out to describe who God is, the word that he used the most, 189 times, was the word Father. Yes, he is creator. Yes, he is Lord. But I want you to know this morning that he is our father when you know jesus 
said, when you pray, there's a way that I want you to pray, and I want you to start that prayer. Our Father. Jesus was teaching us that although God is powerful and although he's all-knowing and he's the creator and he is he's all those things that he is in the skin he is wrapped in the skin of a father and we can have that kind of relationship with him and I think a lot of people struggle with that I think some people struggle with seeing him that way but through faith in Christ we have a new spiritual life on the inside it is that phrase that you hear sometimes that phrase uh, that became popular when Carter was president and he referred to himself as born again and people who weren't a part of the church that was new phraseology for them they'd never heard that before I mean why you know if they're not reading the Bible that's not something that's going to come up for them but they heard this phrase born again and they kind of latched onto that and that became the new word that was applied to all Christians that's you know that's where we get that this idea that that Christ is on the inside of us making us a new person we become born again not physically but inside a spiritual life that finds connectivity with God, a perfect heavenly father. I want you to look this morning, 1 John 1, I'm sorry, 1 John 3, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to spend just a little bit of time here, and we'll end up in Matthew a little later, so if you have your Bible, you can kind of be finding those passages. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Lavished, that is a, a very... Uh, interesting word to me. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word lavished, but when I hear lavished, I think just opulence. I think dripping and, you know, just lush. I, I think um, <laughs> lately with all the rain and all the sunshine, I think of my backyard that grows with all this greenery that just, you know, it's just like a, 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 something that needs a haircut. You know, it's just everywhere, it's just thick. It's green, a forest, a jungle. Um, I think of of someone who, you know, bestows gifts in huge amounts on other people. Lavish is just a, you know, the whole bunch of it. How great is the love of the Father that has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then I love what they put at the end of that. What do you see at the end of children of God? Punctuation, specific punctuation, exclamation point. What else do you put at the end of something like that? What else can you say when you find out that you can be called a child of God? That demands an exclamation point, absolutely. God has poured his love out on us in copious amounts and called us the children of God. That's a big deal. That's a big deal that, that you and I are called children of God, born into a new relationship with the creator and the owner of the entire universe. We can call him father. He calls us sons and he calls us daughters. You put an exclamation point at the end of that. I love the next little line that comes up in this passage. Um, let's read it from the beginning. How great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Then you have this little line and, and scripture will do this once in a while. And that is what we are exclamation point that is what we are it's, it's kind of like a coming back on it and saying hey don't lose sight of the fact I want to make sure that you understand exactly what you are let me reinforce this for you we are the children of God we can talk with God we can know God we can enjoy life and the children and we can do all that as the children of God we all have a father true I mean that's how you got here right I mean we, we all have a father 
Happy Father's Day, by the way, dads. We, we salute you. All of us were fathered. And it's interesting to me that God would reveal himself as a father. Every kid, I think every kid, has a desire um, to have the blessing from his dad. That's a powerful desire. I think it's put in us at a very early age. Now, uh, you know, as I say that, as I say we all want the blessing of our earthly father, I know that there's probably somebody in the room that, that didn't have the best relationship with their dad. And when I say that, you're probably there's some rebellious side of you that says, not me, I don't, want the, I don't want the blessing of my father. You know, I mean, I was very blessed and fortunate. I had a good dad, and many in the room have had that, and many of you are that. But, but inevitably, when you talk about dads in a room this size uh, full of people, then you're going to come across somebody who's not all that hepped up on what happened with them when they were little. And when they start to think about their dad and you start to draw this line between my earthly father and my heavenly father, and I start saying things like everybody wants a blessing from their earthly father, something rises up on the inside of some people and they say, not me. Not me. I don't want that. I don't care. Because our picture of an earthly father has sometimes been fragmented It has sometimes been distorted, and in some cases, our earthly picture of a father is a stumbling block for us, ever seeing God as a father. If God wants you to relate to him as a father, then what do you think would be Satan's number one tool to come in between your relationship with God? Say that again. If God's number one desire as to how you will relate to him is that he wants to be seen as a father what do you think would be the tool that satan would use the most to disrupt your relationship with god we are living in a spiritual tug of war it goes on every day there is evil and good in the world there is right and wrong there is a god who is for us and there is a devil who is against us there is an enemy that we face every day And if it's true that God wants us to be seen as a father, then it is also true that there is an enemy that works behind the scenes and works to disrupt that very special bond and that very special relationship. And if if it's true that God wants us to be uh, seen as his children and he wants to be seen as our father, then it only makes sense that that, 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 that the enemy would do all he could to destroy and disrupt fatherhood as we know it. And if you take a look at this culture, you can see that that is exactly what goes on with us. Because if he could succeed at wrecking earthly fatherhood, then he will eventually have a trickle-up effect and he will disrupt the relationship that we would have with our heavenly father he could shatter the earthly picture of a father he can then shatter the earth, the heavenly picture of a father what do you think is the number one thing that gets in the way of our seeing ourselves in relationship to a perfect heavenly father it's probably and most often the experience that you have had with your own father there's a last verse of scripture in the Old Testament. It's very interesting. It's Malachi, and you don't need to look it up. I'll read it for you in just a minute. It's, Matthew, it's Malachi 4, 6. But this is the last thing that's going to be said 
to God's people for 400 years. This is going to be written, and then there's going to be 400 years of silence. It's almost as if God said, hey, you guys are on your own for a while. I've been trying to get through to you. I've been trying to make you make sense of this whole thing, and you're on your own for about 400 years, and I'll check back with you in 400 years and see how you're doing. And then he says this final thing. This is what he wrote uh, to, to God's people. Listen to how the Old Testament ends before there is 400 years of silence. Listen to this. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And then there's 400 years of silence. And the next thing you see is John the Baptist shows up on the scene. He's born and he is the one that's going to go before Jesus, the one who would be telling everybody, Jesus is coming, there's one that goes before me, and I'm unworthy to untie his sandals. I mean, this is John the Baptist. And at John the Baptist's birth, prophecy was spoken over him. And you read these words in Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, get this, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. It's an integral part of God's economy because God wants us to see him and know him as a perfect heavenly father the problem is is that our dads are not perfect our dads are sinful and because of that we've got all kinds of interesting pictures of what uh, a father is in our mind and, and again all of us want a father's blessing in our life and and all of us want our earthly dad to bless us, not curse us. And I, again, I know that somebody hears that and says, not me. No, deep down at your core, somewhere that you don't talk about, there is this part of you that yearns. I think God puts it in us that we want the blessing of our father. We want our father to speak good things into our life and over us. And we desperately desire the blessing of our dads. What is a father's blessing? It's at least three things. First of all, we want to know that we have uh, the Father's love and we want that verbalized. We want our fathers to speak his love to us. We want him to say that he loves us. I remember 1982, I had never really, I mean, I'd been away from home. I'd been to church camp. I'd gone to spend time with, with um, grandparents. I'd been away from my parents many times. It wasn't like I'd never spent time from home but I'd never been taken to college before. And my dad, you have to understand, is, is a, a, a truck driver. Um, he's a vocal man, but he's not, uh, verbiage is not his forte. And so um, he uses a limited amount of words to get his point across, usually if he's unhappy, at a high uh, volume. Um, he has a way of making you know that he's serious. And probably up until the point that I went off to college, that's the side of my dad that I knew and understood. Uh, I, I was, to be real honest with you, afraid of my dad. He's a big man. He's strong. Uh, Mom makes the comment that he doesn't realize how strong he is. He'll come into the kitchen and want to get a glass or something from the cupboard, and he'll want to nudge her out of the way like she'll be in the way, and he'll want to kind of move her to the side, and he'll do that, and she goes flying across the room because he just doesn't realize, you know, he just whacked her across the room. And it's just my dad. He's just a big, strong guy, and, and uh, that's the image that I had of him. But then 1982, we got up really early in the morning and, and I was going to go to Johnson Bible College to study for four years. And they drove me onto campus and we got my room set up and we got everything ready to go and it came time for them to make the four and a half hour trip back to my hometown. 
and I'm a mama's boy big time big time I knew I was going to miss mama and there were you know lots of tears and we gave lots of hugs and my sister was there and my brother was there and lots of tears and then it came time for me to say goodbye to dad and that's the day that I heard something that I don't maybe it was said to me when I was little but I don't remember it I heard for the first time on that day I want to miss you I love you now I wanted that that's the blessing of a father you understand everybody in the room wants to hear that it's the first time I, I could ever remember hearing it now, I just saw dad two weeks ago I don't ever see my dad now that when I leave that he doesn't tell me that he loves me I don't ever talk to my dad on the phone that before we hang up he says I love you didn't have that for a long time I didn't realize until I heard it for the first time how much I wanted that. Does that make sense? We long for the blessing of our Father, and we want to hear it said to us. So as a dad, I try hard to make sure that with my kids that they are told often that I love them. I think it's an important thing. One of the things we really need to do is we need to have the love of a Father verbalized for us. We also want his approval. Kids want to know that they're loved, and kids want to be accepted for who they are. And they want to know that that love and acceptance is free. Every kid wants that. Every kid, when he thinks about the love of his father and the blessing of a father, wants to feel accepted, wants to know that, that I, he, I'm accepted for who I am the way I am, just the way I am. Every kid wants that. We want the active participation of a father in our life. We want a dad who can put the newspaper down. We want a dad who can come home from the office. We want a dad who can get away from the computer, can take his cell phone off and turn it off. I, f I forget what movie it was that I saw, but the movie opens. It seems to me that Will Smith was the character in the movie. I can't remember this for sure, but he's, he's, like, <laughs> he's like disarming himself of all the devices that he carries around as a businessman, and the, the, the little boy is standing right next to him watching him do it, like, you know, okay, you just took off your Palm Pilot, that's good. You just took off your cell phone, that's good. You just put, you know, all these things down, and and then the dad gets done, and he thinks that he's got this kid snowed, and the kid stands there looking at him. And eventually the dad bends over and takes the cell phone out of his sock, and he turns that one off and puts it down too. You know, the, the point was well made. This guy is very connected, and this kid knows the game, and he knows that dad is not, he's not fully on board with me. We want the active participation of a father in our life. I remember going to... Um, uh, Grundy Mountain Mission School when I was a kid our, our youth pastor would take the boys he didn't take the girls and it always ticked the girls off we would load the guys up in a van we would go to Grundy Mountain Mission School and we would play a basketball tournament always made the girls mad we did it every February we came back the girls were mad at us we loved it but but we would go on this trip and they had this place at Grundy Mountain Mission School where you you went in it was called Toddler Hall and in the bottom of Toddler Hall were all these little kids, little tots, just running around. And they had all this playground equipment. And, and we would just go down there, these big strapping basketball guys. And a lot of men went with us, too. And we, it was February in Virginia, so it was really cold. And we'd walk in. The first thing these kids would want us to do is take off our coats. So we'd take off our coats, and they would take them from us. 
You know what they did with them when they took them from us? They put them on. You know why they put them on? Because they know that as long as they have your coat on, you're not going to leave. We said, why do, they, why do they take our coats? Why are they wearing our coats? Because they know if they've got your coat on, you're not going to go. They want you to stay. You're playing with them. They're, they're having a good time. They don't want you to leave. We all want the active participation of our Father in our life. It's the mental equivalent of taking his coat and putting it on and saying, I don't want you to leave. I want you here. I want you engaged. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I want you to tell me about your life, and I want to tell you about my life, and I want you to know who I am, and I want to know who you are. Active participation. We want a father's spoken belief in who we are and what we can do with our life. We want to hear a dad say, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. We want to hear dad say that. I don't want to make this a counseling session for me, <laughs> but it's the only experience I've got. I remember hearing for the first time out of my dad's mouth, he was proud of me. I will never forget what it meant, how it spoke. I just completed the funeral for my grandmother, my mom's mom great woman of faith a lot of people came to this funeral and I'm the one that did the funeral and we're at the the dinner afterward and I'm walking by dad sticks that big hand out and he stops me pulls me down I'm proud of you we want the blessing of our father every kid wants the blessing of his father Someone here might say, you know, I don't need my dad's blessing. I can do it by myself. And all along the way, you're saying, I really do need to prove to my dad that I can do this. You, you may say on the outside, I don't want the blessing of my dad. I don't need the blessing of my dad. And chances are good that if you're the kind of person that would say that kind of thing, and we looked at your life, and you're a really driven person, that what underlies a lot of that is I'm going to show him that I can do this. How many women in here have had hugs of a hundred men in search of a, a love and an acceptance that they craved from a father? And, and you've, you've had a hug and you've been with this one or that one and it's just never been what you really wanted and the, and the whole time you're in pursuit of something that you did not get as a little girl because you wanted the blessing of a father and what women sometimes are saying in an unsaid language is I need to know I'm loved I need to know I'm accepted I need to know that I'm approved I need to hear you say that you love me and you believe in me we all want to hear that from our dads I want to take a look at five different fathers today um, when you start talking to people, you kind of settle in, and I'm not suggesting at all that these are the only five kinds of fathers. We could come up with, uh, you know, hundreds of different types of fathers, but, but I want to talk about these particular five this morning. The first one is a good kind of father. The first one is the empowering father. A lot of you had this guy in your life growing up. He did his best. He was good. He wasn't perfect. He didn't get it right all the time. 
he may have been the guy wearing plaid shorts and dark socks and dark shoes to the mall and embarrassed you on vacation. But, you know, he was a good guy. You loved him. He, he, he really did his best for you. He was very available. He, he told you he loved you. He was there for you. He cared enough to discipline you when you got out of line. He always told you you could do more, but if you failed, he was always the first one there to help you. You'd hear him say, I love you. He set you up to succeed rather than to fail. He did everything he could to give you wings. This is a guy that really, he's empowering dad. He's the guy that that came up to you and said, man, I know you can do it. Then there's the abusive father. Maybe it was verbal. Maybe your whole life, what you got was just this constant barrage of words. Hateful disgusting killing words a storm of words cutting words piercing words disabling words maybe the abuse was emotional and it was a manipulation thing and it was really just with your dad it was just nothing more than a chess match maybe it was spiritual abuse maybe you you grew up under huge legalism Maybe there was physical abuse. There's all kinds of abuse where a father hurts a kid and ends up cursing him or her more than he ends up blessing him or her. And the twisted part of that whole thing is that when it happens to a child, the child's first reaction isn't, well, there must be something wrong with my dad. Isn't it interesting that whenever you encounter a kid who's got a dad who treats him or her that way, that kid doesn't think, well, there must be something wrong with dad. The first reaction from the kid is, well, there must be something wrong with me. Dad's not speaking a blessing over me. Dad doesn't really seem to to be all that into me, and so there must be something wrong with me. And what is eroded is trust. And sometimes it's possible that somebody in here has never, ever fully been able to trust a man because it was something that you never were able to do as a kid. It weakens self-esteem. It delivers um, a serious blow in our own sense of self-worth and self-confidence. There is the absent father. He's gone. Either because of death or because of divorce and he's out of the picture or because of busyness some may have been absent before you ever really knew who they were and some of them before you even came into the picture were long gone they're just absent and when we talk about God as a father they're the ones who would say well God must be way too busy for me God must have way too much on his plate to be worried about little old me, and I can't imagine for a minute that God would intimately want to be involved in my life and the details of my life and care about me and who I am. Then there's the passive father. You know the passive father because he's walking around in his boxer shorts because mom's wearing the pants. (laughs) He's there. He just can't rise up for whatever reason, and he can't take the mantle of leadership. He, He cannot be what he's called to be 
He doesn't take initiative. He doesn't take responsibility. He refuses to lead. He doesn't model for the kids or for the wife what men do, how to serve a family, how to lead a family, how men interact. And for whatever reason, dad is just paralyzed. And so since he doesn't, mom does. And then you may know of homes where mom doesn't either, and guess who assumes the leadership when mom doesn't lead and, da- and dad doesn't lead? Kids start to lead. Those are scary houses when you walk into them and you realize mom and dad are not in control of this place. Then there's performance-based dad. Do you know him? And he's fine with the blessing. You want approval, you want active participation, you want my belief in you, that's fine. You can get that. Here's what you have to do to get it. And it may be unstated or it may be even in writing. These are the things that you better do if you want me to pay attention to you. You want my blessing in your life? Here's the list. You always knew what the score was with this dad. You always knew whether you were in or whether you were out. You always knew whether you had risen up to the challenge or whether you had failed miserably. You always knew whether you were good enough or not good enough. And you could get a a hug from your dad. A hug was there to be had from your dad, but it had to be earned. If you ran faster than the other kids, if you didn't mess up, you would get a hug if you scored or achieved but if you didn't if for some reason you messed up then you shouldn't expect a hug and you surely shouldn't expect a blessing if I jump through the hoops I get a hug if I score I get a hug if I do the right thing if I make the A I get a hug if I perform I get the hug but if I don't jump through all the hoops right not only do I not get the hugs, I don't get the blessing. And not only do I not get the blessing, I get the curse. Because I didn't perform. Because I didn't do it good enough. And what you find yourself praying when you are the, the, the son or daughter of a parent like that is, Lord, please help me to do it right. God, please help me to get this right. Help me to make the grade. Help me to make the team. Help me to be able to do this the way Dad wants me to be able to do it. Because again, what's being unsaid in all this is we all want the blessing of our Father because God put that in us. And then you start to transfer that and you say, well, if this is what my earthly father is like, then that must be what God is like. God's going to love me when I can jump through the hoops. God's going to love me. He's going to bless me when I can do all these great things. And if I can do some wonderful good thing for him, or if I can pray enough times, or give enough money, or go to church enough times, or not cuss enough times, or whatever the thing is that you have equated with this thing that God's going to bless. And some of you have banked on the philosophy that says, I hope I do enough good things that one day God lets me be with him forever. Whichever dad you had, and it's highly possible that you didn't have just one of these, you had a, a concoction. And again, well, we just touched on a few. There's a, a whole bunch more. But you probably didn't have just one of these. You probably have had a blend of these. And maybe you've had all five of the ones that I've talked about at some point. But however that shaped you, it could be a great boost to your knowing God, or it could be a great hindrance to your knowing God. Here's the good news this morning. 
God is not just a bigger version of our dad. That's not what God is. If you had an abusive dad or if you had an absent dad, if you had a passive dad, a performance-based dad, a hateful dad, the good news is that God is not just a bigger version of your earthly father. That's not what's going on. You may have had an awesome dad. He may have won dad of the year for 10 years running. And if he did, congratulations, and I'm happy for you. But can I just tell you right up front, I don't want a blown-up version of your dad as my heavenly father. God is not the supersized version of our earthly fathers. God is the perfect version of our earthly fathers. He is the perfect version it means that no matter who you are today or where you're coming from, you can step into the hug today of a perfect heavenly father. It's not the reflection of your earthly dad, it's the perfection of your earthly dad. He's everything you ever wanted your earthly dad to be. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. We'll go through these verses and we'll be done. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. These are very familiar verses to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? And we say, what kind of dad would do that? What kind of dad, if, if his kids came and said, hey, I'm hungry, would say, here's a rock. You know, munch on that for a while. See if that does anything for you. I mean, when my kids come in and they say, Dad, I'm hungry. Do you think I'm going to take a rock out from the driveway and throw it on the counter and say, well, see, you know, put some ketchup on that and see if that's going to work or not? No, I don't say that. I say, go tell your mother you're hungry and see if she'll fix you, <laughs> see if she'll fix you something to eat. No, I don't do that either not every time anyway yeah just let me go on record as saying I fix a pretty mean egg ham cheese and bagel sandwich and I'd be happy to fix you one verse 10 or if he asks for a fish we'll give him a snake the, the assumed response is that dad wouldn't do that dad wouldn't do that that doesn't make any sense I mean what 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 father, when the kid said, hey, would you, would you give me a fish, was going to hand his son a snake and say, there, eat that? The assumed response is no, wouldn't do that. If you then, though you are evil, and that doesn't mean like, you know, evil, evil, like you're dastardly and, you know, that, not that kind of evil. It means you're sinful. Jesus says, if, if you, being sinful know how to give good gifts to your children this is beautiful if you have your pen out and you've got your bible open you want to underline this next phrase how much more how much more if you being sinful know that that's not how you treat a, a, one of your kids then when it comes to god and and him blessing you and being a father to you how much more that is the money phrase 
This is incomparable. This is, this is off the chart. How much more? This is a, a different category. Look, look what he says. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He's saying, if you've not had the best father in the world, check out your father in heaven. He's not like your earthly sinful father. He's not the reflection of your earthly dad. He is the perfection of your earthly dad. Everything God says is true. Everything he does, everything God does is right. His motives in everything, all the time, 100% of the time, his motives are pure. Everything he hears, he understands. And when he disciplines, and he does discipline. See, that's an interesting thing. Some kids, they make the decision that if dad's not going to pay attention to me, if I can't get your attention, I'll burn the universe down, and I will force you to leave your computer, and I will force you to leave the office, and I will force you to leave work to come home and put the fire out. I will force you to come home and deal with me. Some kids say, look, I'm going to get, you want blessing? You want to talk about blessing? I got your blessing right here. I'll act up. I'll misbehave. I will get your attention. I will have you paying attention to me. But when God disciplines, and yes, he does discipline, it's always fair. It's always for the best. Everything he promises, he delivers on. And the final one, he's not going anywhere. The Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. You can have the Father's blessing today, irregardless of the blessing you had or the lack thereof from your earthly dad. You can leave this morning and you can know that you are a child of God. You can know that you have a heavenly Father, that he is perfect and that by the grace of God and his death on a cross, you can step into sonship or daughtership of a heavenly father this morning. Come and get a better blessing. That's really the message this morning. Come and get a better blessing. Your parents are people. They're, they're just people. They struggle. They want a blessing too. They need a blessing. And you may be sitting here listening to this thinking, you know, my dad never blessed me that way or my mom never blessed me that way. You know what? They're people and they struggle and they have problems. They would love to have a blessing too. And is it possible that they never got a blessing? How many of you need to go out of here this morning and rather than search for a blessing from your father, need to go give a blessing to your father? How many of you today will actually see your dad and, and have the opportunity to walk up and give him a hug and speak blessing on him? Dad, I'm proud of you. I love you. Dad, I just, <laughs> you did a great job with us. You're a giant in my life. I want you to know I love you. What do you think that'd do to your dad this morning? 
today you can receive a blessing from a perfect heavenly father and you can know this this is the most important thing I'm going to say to you he loves you he loves you let's pray father we start talking about dad and it's a we can get pretty choked up because you have designed us made us in such a way that what he says to us really matters that how he loves us really shapes and forms us and God our, our fathers are sinful broken people and they don't always do it right and sometimes they do it horribly horribly wrong And Father, sometimes the enemy uses that in such a way to really drive a wedge between us and you. And I pray, Father, that this morning we would be able to reverse that. We'd be able to see that you love us. You are the perfect Heavenly Father. And we may not have gotten the blessing from our earthly dad that we wanted and that you put in us to desire, but we can come here this morning and we can be blessed by you that you want to be our heavenly father that you love us so much that you did not even spare your own son but you offered him up so that we would never know separation from you father what a blessing what a blessing so I pray Lord this morning that we would step into your blessing and I pray that we would wear it and we would know that we are children of God. Father, if there's someone in this room this morning that's never given their life to Christ, that maybe for the first time they would know what it is to be blessed by you, to step into sonship or to be called a daughter of God. I pray that you'd help them to see that that can happen for them this morning. And then, Father, help us to walk out of here and to speak blessing to our fathers. Lord, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.